Welcome to STEAM Powered, where I have conversations with women in STEAM to learn a little bit about what they do and who they are. I'm your host, Michelle Ong. My guest today is Gabriella Martini. Gabriella is a project manager, or as she terms it, a fixer, who is passionate about mentoring and promoting a healthier STEM pipeline. Join us as we talk about mechanical engineering, mentoring, mental health, and aquascaping. Good morning, Gabriella. Thank you for joining me today on Steam Powered. It's wonderful to have you speaking with me today about MechEng and your journey. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. I've been looking forward to this chat for ages. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So you started out in MechEng, but you know what got you into MechEng to start with? Oh, that one I can blame on my dad. Um, <clears throat> he, growing up, I would always find things fascinating and trying to figure out how they work uh for additional context my dad is an automotive mechanic but has a weird spate uh, he's had a weird spate of other jobs in his life um that's cool and one one thing that stings sticks out in my mind is uh going on a mcdonald's playground now bear with me here but going on a mcdonald's <laughs> playground and i would always go back to my dad and explain to my dad how the playground worked how things connected like where you could go, things like that. And because That's my dad's, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, because my dad is mechanically minded, um, I think it got time in high school where I was like, ah, I don't really know what to do. Like I wasn't really taking school seriously, kind of a fly by yeah. the seat of your pants kind of student. <laughs> um, and he suggested it. And I was like, yeah, right. I'll give it a go. Ended up being a really good thing. That's cool. So, like, would did you just naturally find all the technical aspects just easy to come by, or did you have to work hard <laughs> at it? <laughs> you have written, yeah. This, this is a good start. Um, the answer, <laughs> the answer, honestly, is no. I, um, I, I went to high school here in Perth. Um, it was very much ingrained in my family where you know you go from high school, you go to uni, you get the white picket fence. Like, there, there, there was kind of a trajectory there. Yeah. My none of my family had been to university before, so this was very exciting. Ooh. Wow, um, that is cool. Yeah, so I went to UWA, and nothing against UWA, but I lasted a year and a half there. And academically, I wasn't doing well. I had plenty of distractions at home, um, but also, and I didn't realize this until much later, my learning style didn't blend with the teaching style of the teachers that were or the lecturers at UWA. Yep. And so I think that's why I did a lot better at RMIT. So I, I took a gap year um, after the year and a half at UWA. I think you can still call it a gap year. I escaped Perth. I went to Melbourne. I was like, shiny lights. Yep. Give, give me all that. I ended up at RMIT doing a Bachelor of Mechanical Engineering. And it's only then that I realized that uh, RMIT has a very practical way of, of teaching concepts and and also their mm -hmm. theory as well. There is still that theory component. Um, I did a lot better because I yeah. could actually see how what we were learning applied to the real world. That's cool. Um, and we were doing projects like designing a compressed air supply system for a workshop. Or here's this is this might this might bore people or excite people, but at the time it was like here's a graph of a piston. We want you to design the piston. 
develop the fabrication drawings for it, fabricate it, and then test it. And as close as you can get the original graph and your pistons graph depends your grade. So like things wow. like that really that gels with me. very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, the very practical aspect of being able to build it and say, this is your objective. Can you make it meet these metrics? That That's a very interesting way of approaching it. Yeah. Whereas my first round at uni, um, it, it was very, and, and like with most engineering degrees in the early years, like it is theory heavy, but you can do it in a different, in, in different ways. Uh, yeah. yeah. The first way didn't stick. Reading books, just, you know, diving into literature. It, it's just not me. Yeah. That's fair. Um, like I felt the same thing when I was looking at computer science courses in high school and, you know, people want to go to UWA because it's UWA. But when I was looking at the course curriculum, it's like, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not feeling this. It's, it feels yeah. a bit more theory and a bit more math than I would want in the course that I'm doing. And that's how I ended up at, at Curtin. So yeah, I, I, I totally see that. It, it's just the way that you are more able to learn effectively. Yep. I like a lot of people are like, oh, but, but how did you know? And I'm like, I didn't realize that until like years later when I was like, oh, yeah. this is why I'm doing better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, you're just not quite what... sure. Yeah. Um, I was like so naive going through that. It, it was just like, you have to go to uni. You have to do this. Yeah, And I think that's why I get really interested in mentoring programs or I found an interest like after leaving university because I didn't have a lot of that guidance and I didn't have, you know, connections with folks, whether that's family or friends or, or whoever that had gone down that path at uni. I yeah. really didn't know what I should be looking for, like what's good, how to do this, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's another thing that another guest has spoken about at being a first-gen college student. And she said she just had no idea. She didn't know a lot of the things that people took for granted who had those networks, who had family who'd been through university and college. It's like, I don't know what I don't know here. And, mm. you know, it, it just, it was quite a learning experience for her too. Yeah. It's a fun one. <laughs> it is a fun one. Yeah. So when you, like, now that you've actually come out of Mech Engine going into industry, how did you find, you know, your path? Like, was it always going to be mining because this is just what we do <laughs> in Western Australia? <laughs> or did you have any ideas of how you wanted to apply all of those skills? I don't know if this is going to get me in trouble, but I never thought I'd come back to Perth. <laughs> I never <laughs> thought I'd come back here. I thought it would be like onto Melbourne, just anywhere. Anywhere at all. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was going for my internship, which uh, was a requirement for a, a mech eng degree or an engineering degree at the time, still is. Mm -hmm. uh, I put out like 18 applications and I think I wow. applied to like Mars because I was like working in confectionery might be cool. Working in the mining yeah. industry might be cool. I applied at Ford and just yeah. ev everywhere. Everywhere. Um, and it's such a range of applications of MechEng as well. I mean, manufacturing and mining and, you know, uh, vehicles, it, it's wide. <laughs> it's what makes the discipline so good. And this is where I'm biased when people are like, oh, I don't know what I should be doing it in, you know, what, what engineering degree should I focus on? And I'm like, have you heard about mechanical? Like, <laughs> just like you can, you can literally go anywhere. You, you can work for a big company and get experiences all over the globe. 
Um, I know that's different with COVID, but, you know, I still see things picking up in that space. Like I've yeah. traveled during COVID. It is possible. Um, yeah. Or, or, or you can, you know, make equally as big an impact in a small community if you want to work there as a mechanical yeah, engineer. Absolutely. Like this, there's, there's such a range. I'm going to waffle a lot about it. So I'll stop myself there. No, no, keep waffling. It's great because <laughs> a lot of people think about Mechenge. I mean, because it's, you know, WA, we all think mining resources. That's where we go yeah. for Mechenge. But yeah, absolutely. When you, you do vehicle manufacturing, you've got all the machining and, you know, the stuff that you do with, you know, how you make, how you mass produce and how you mass package things, all of that comes under Mechenge. And mm. you don't always think about how you can apply these skills in this broader context and how you know it is part of our everyday lives we don't understand how integrated it is mm. i think that's something about being something special around being a mechanical engineer in wa if we if we pick on that manufacturing piece um you know unfortunately australia doesn't have too much of a manufacturing industry in comparison yeah. to other countries around the world um so as much as manufacturing engineering is a, a, a different discipline to mechanical, um, there are similarities there and you can still flex. So you can build that skill set within yourself to make yourself even more valuable to employers should they want to go down the manufacturing path. Because a lot of folks now, engineering is getting creative. There's a lot of exciting stuff happening in Perth. Yes. Um, and I think a lot of the mindsets are changing from and, and maybe this has been prompted a little bit more so from COVID, um, you know, why not actually manufacture things here in Australia? There's pros and cons, but yep. uh, it's definitely an option. It is absolutely an option. And, I mean, specifically for us, we're getting such a wide variety of things that we can do in terms of industry. So, yes, considering manufacturing, they were thinking about doing the batteries at some point. There's, you know, now we're getting a lot into space programs. And, you know, mm. the variety of industries that are now available to us is, you know, it's phenomenally greater than what it used to be 10, 20 years ago. And, yeah, it just adds so much more flexibility to how we can apply and advance our skills in different ways. Yeah, that's what got me really excited to work for the company I currently work for, First Mode. Yeah. You know, after spending seven years fly in, fly out in the Pilbara, in the mining industry, uh, don't get me wrong, that was amazing. First off, didn't think I would last seven years, five months. <laughs> a lot of people say really that quickly. and they end up for ages. Yeah. Yes. Everyone either has a two or a five-year plan, but it got to seven years. Like, I think I was just shy, like maybe a couple of weeks shy, which I was like, oh, why? Anyway, <laughs> um, but kind of moving from that and finding first mode, and they were really just starting up in Australia. Um I joined when we had a, the general manager and a principal software architect here in Perth. Mm. And I remember the three of us sitting in WeWork in a tiny three-person office um, and thinking, like, what like, what can we make of this? For context, First Mode globally, um, it's almost four years old. Um, they work on predominantly uh, space hardware. Well, not really. I'm not doing it justice enough. <laughs> it's riff. It's really like the tagline is it's a creative engineering company. So it's not just space because there are so many similarities between working on a piece of hardware that has to go to space and perform a certain function to sticking it out in the Pilbara. 
because yeah. whilst one's on earth and one's not, there's still, you know, they want um, easier to maintain or low to no maintenance parts, yeah. something that's reliable, that's autonomous, um, that's, let's just call it smart. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of the similarities sit there. So to join a company who had already built a fantastic base in Seattle in the States to then branch out here to service the customer base that's in Australia um, and make a real difference, like whilst being in Perth, like that was fantastic. Yes, absolutely. It's rare that we often get international opportunities in Perth because everyone wants to go to Sydney and Melbourne. And all that so yeah you know being able to find that niche here is absolutely fantastic yeah it's it's crazy as well it's it's Perth is an interesting place I thought it was just mining and resources yeah and my partner who works in the technology field he always told me no 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 there's so much more because he works with a lot of partners a lot of smaller companies trying to do things and I was like that's nice it's just mining <laughs> And then I had to put my tail between my legs when I actually joined First Mode and started learning more about it. So I was like, okay, there's actually more in Perth than just mining. Yeah. There's a lot of like, uh, there's a lot of support for the mining industry and the work that's happening there, but it's not the traditional like, yeah, we're just going to change out this conveyor belt, or we're just we're just going to, you know, do things as we normally have. I'm finding it hard to articulate this because it's such a wide range of applications they're all very similar overlaps but the imagineering involved to create all these mm. you know very large machines like we're not talking about small things we're talking about giant vehicles and you know the things that you send up to space people don't think about how big those machines actually are mm. like how how do you handle the scale when you're starting to approach these industries of the kind of things that you need to build? I think it's important to break it, break the system down. And I think that's where I haven't seen this as much in Perth, at least from what I've experienced so far, is this approach to systems engineering. Every, everyone, every industry seems to have a different approach to this, but being able to break a system down and actually articulate what what is its function, what is its intended function, and think about it from that perspective. And then working closely, like at least our approach, working closely with the customer to make sure that, you know, what is being designed, what we are building, like does it actually meet the intent? Is it keeping up with how the market's moving? Um, is it actually innovative? And having those constant checkpoints whether it's with the customer that I just pointed out, or even if it's within ourselves and going, is this actually the best? Like, let's actually boil it down to first principles. What are we actually trying to achieve here? Yeah. I think that's critical instead of maybe potentially getting overwhelmed with, we've got to build a vehicle. It's got to do this. Where do you start? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So transitioning from, you know, an actual practical mech engine, uh, kind of role to project management and as you want to call it a fixer in coordinating all of this how do you go from you know those two roles how do you transition into that kind of position I found that they were very they had very similar elements when I left the mining industry um, I was leading engineering teams um, 
in an operational setting, which is very different to a project setting. Yes. Very, very different. Um, but there are definitely transferable skill sets there with how you interact with others, how you set goals, how you break down a problem um, that kind of translate across. Now, I'm definitely not the perfect PM, <laughs> but I think that there's – it almost kind of – gives me an edge I feel because you're not just sticking with a certain project management formula, mm-hmm. which I found some PMs to, it's very easy to fall into that trap. If you, if you, you fall into a, a pre-existing formula and you're just carrying out steps. Yeah. Whereas like the types of problems that we tackle, there is no formula for yes. it. Like there is no formula to develop a vehicle or like, no matter if it's meant to function on earth or in space. Um, there are guidelines and and things like that, but you kind of have to, uh, have a different approach to it as opposed to like, oh yeah, we'll just apply all these things and yep, vehicle pops out the other side. (laughs) Yeah. So in your previous role in mining, your part of your work involved governance and, you know, that kind of management aspect of projects. So where does Mm. governance come in, in terms of mining and engineering? Oh, this is such, this is a broad topic in itself love it um i think it gets a bad rap but where it comes into it is ultimately are we doing what we said that we'll do in order to keep the plant operating and more importantly operating in a safe fashion um there are obligations to not only to the team members on site within the company but also to the communities in which we operate yeah Um, so it's really important that the right checks and balances are in there with the right technical expertise, because, you know, what's the point in auditing something if, you know, you get someone with a completely like no knowledge of, of the situation needing to perform a technical audit. Sometimes that doesn't go exactly to plan. Yep. Now on, on the balance of that, a fresh set of eyes is always great. And I think that was what one of the good things of being part of the governance and technical stewardship team was, was you weren't in the team that necessarily performed the execution work, but you were there, like our team was incredibly technically capable, um, had, had either come from maintenance or, or operations backgrounds um, and could actually see what, we, what, what the site was trying to achieve but then also, you know, what we needed to do to either improve it, make sure that we were in compliance with legislative requirements, things like that. Yeah, because there's, there's a lot of, I guess, legal and law and all that like compliance stuff that's involved in mining and engineering, not just from safety, but uh, local mm. local laws and local governance and local regulations in terms of the way that these things are done for you know, mining. We're pulling stuff out of the ground. We're having to work with the people in the area that we're doing this stuff in. Yeah. I remember one thing when I first started. Um, I laugh because I feel like most graduates go through this journey, <laughs> at least if you're based on an operation on a mine site. It, it's, you get involved in what's called a classified plant. I don't know how many, of, how many listeners are going to know the background of that. It's a particularly dry topic where effectively there's high risk equipment on site which could either, um, you know, drop a person from height or, um, for lack of a better way, explode, you know, <laughs> it, an intense burst of energy. Yeah. <laughs> so like a pressure vessel or something like that that fails, um, that could cause severe, that, that, that puts someone's safety at risk. Yeah. 
um, and can either seriously harm them or lead to a fatality. Yep. And there's a number of checks uh, as part of our legislation here in Western Australia that need to be put in place, you know, internal, external inspections. It gets quite detailed, needs to marry up to Australian standards, that sort of thing. And I remember doing it in my um, first rotation as a graduate and I was just like, you know, there was that sense of ownership, like, yeah, this is exciting. And then everyone else would be like, oh, why are you on that? Like what, like that form of governance wasn't sexy? Yeah. And then actually a few years later I became a, um, I was part of uh, the material risk ownership structure at the company I worked at and I actually inherited classified plant and there's a whole different context there for why it's important. And then it's a whole different skill to then engage people on, you know, why it's important to actually do these inspections and make sure that we have the documentation. Yeah. Um, for the plant like that that's a whole you'd think it'd be simple as get documentation <laughs> you know when it, when a new pressure vessel or a crane comes to site um but wow it was a real challenge because it just wasn't front of mind for people yeah it isn't so i guess like the if i if i draw a similarity there to project management like this is where the people interaction comes from governors can seem like such a dry you sit you sit in a dark room and you're looking through paperwork like just yourself but it's so much more than that because the, mo the, the the greater success you have in that space is how you interact with people, how you actually, you know, work through the problems together because sometimes it's not black and white. A lot of it's pretty gray. Yeah. Um, same thing with project management, especially when you're dealing with a problem that no one's tried to tackle before mm. from the ground up is, right, this is really great. How do we work on this together? Yeah. And, like, yeah, this gray, this unexplored territory, yeah, in terms of, you know, all the stuff that you have to do for the policy and governance, you know, people only think about zero days since last incident kind of thing. And it's, you know, all these little things that happen that people take for granted because they go, well, it's just meant to work the way it is, isn't it? That's just how it goes. And you forget about all those kinds of extra bits that, you know, are important in terms of making sure all that dry stuff gets taken care of. Yeah. And if we, if we tie that into, like, one of the draw cards for being a mechanical engineer, the problem-solving yeah. aspect, you know, identifying patterns and then putting in solutions, a lot of that comes through in the governance space is you might have, you know, a, you know similar or the same events that occur over, you know, two, three years. I mean, hopefully not fewer than that. <laughs> um, but even if it is, it's still a chance to actually go through and understand what the pattern is and actually go you know, challenge, you know, why do we do it this way? Can we do it slightly differently? Do we even need people involved? Yeah. Things like that. That's very cool. I'm being, I'm being, um, I'm talking like high level here <laughs> because I've gone through far too many of them myself to like hone in on one yes. specific example. Um, but that's what's exciting about the mining industry as well is it has changed. I was only in the industry for seven years which really is a blip in comparison to, to the um, grand scheme of things. But even within that seven years, and then specifically being a female engineer in that space, I saw a change. Yep. There were good and bad moments, but there's there has been a lot of change in that space. Yeah, and I mean, it's a kind of industry where they are constantly changing because of the nature of the work that they do. There's always going to be innovation, always going to be changes to legislation. There's always going to be, you know, all these, you know, 
improvements or modifications in the way that we do these sorts of things because of the nature of the work. It's very exciting, actually. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I paint it so well and then it's like, yeah, but then I left. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. Sorry, that was a bad joke. No, but it, it's it's still one of those things where, you know, it's part of your journey. You know, it is, you know, just because you've left it, it doesn't mean that it didn't have an impact on you and your career. Yeah. Yeah. That's where if I look back, what month are we? Um, <laughs> if you were to ask me about eight and a half years ago where I might be, which really, again, that's that's not a long no, period of time. I would never have thought that I would have had the career that I have had and the sort of experience that I have had. It's just, it, it's crazy to think, especially from kind of the momentum I had through high school and through my first round of uni or even in my second round of uni. Um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. When we have to make those sorts of decisions at such a young age, I think it is very challenging because you don't know what's out there for you and you don't know what potential there is. So you end up making these choices and it's like, yeah, let's give this a shot. But it feels kind of vague. <laughs> yes. I, there's still this stigma, though, I feel that, you know, you've got one chance, you've got one shot to pick what you want to yep. do. Um, and all this pressure at high school to, to pick the degree that is going to influence the rest of your life. And it couldn't be more opposite yeah. than that. That's something I really didn't appreciate. And I guess like through the through some of the programs that I'm part of, I still get surprised yeah. that that stigma still exists. It does. And I just love using myself as an example of here's all the weird stuff I've tried. Here's all the weird stuff that just didn't work. Yeah. That I just like outright failed at. <laughs> And, like, even failed when I got into industry. But these are all the things that have come from. Yes. Like, nothing, I'm, it, this is going to sound corny, but I'm one of these people that doesn't have regrets because I think there's always good parts and bad parts to pick up from a certain event, even if it's the worst thing that ever happened to yep. you. Um, and you're going through an absolutely terrible time. Um, for example, I, um, whilst I was working in the mining industry, look, I've, I've uh, lived with anxiety and depression since my early teenage years. It's, it's just a factor of who I yeah. am. It's what I live with. And it got to a pretty dark spot when I was working FIFO. Um, and I had to take some time off. Um, that was probably one of the roughest, uh, that was one of the roughest breakdowns I'd ever had. But I think coming out of that, it completely changed me. Um, and I don't mean to go feel corny about this, but um, I wouldn't actually have had it any other way because that really changed the trajectory of where, you know, what I was doing in my personal life, how I was approaching and thinking about things, what I wanted to do for the rest of my career. Like that was a real pivot point for yeah. me. But ordinarily I hear people say it's like, oh, I'm embarrassed mm. about this or I wish it never happened. And I'm like, well, without going to that level of low, at least my personal opinion, without going there, you really can't look at things from a fundamental level and go, like, how do I change, how, how do I change things? What am I doing? Yeah. You know, 
the normal existential crisis we all go through, right? Absolutely. You know, the why am I here? Oh gosh. But why am I here? Yeah, and it's and it's hard because there's that stigma still because it's vulnerability, it's weakness, and that's how it's conveyed. It's getting better now, but you know, for some people, they need that kind of shake up to be able to get perspective, as you said. But there's no shame in it. There, there mm. is, there is no need to feel that that looks poorly on you. Yeah, it's tough. Exactly, and it's. I could talk about this for too long, probably. <laughs> um, I think it got to a point. It, it was actually shortly after um, that breakdown where I, I kind of sat back and I was like, I can't be silent on this anymore. Yeah. Like I didn't talk about it openly. I'd shared parts with people and you know it's you know different folks respond to it in different yeah. ways um but then I realized that it I wasn't exactly helping the whole mental health stigma situation by keeping quiet yeah. because the more that we open up I remember there was a time where I shared it with it with a larger group of people and uh and more about my history in my early 20s and, and late teens and the amount of people that actually shared very similar stories, one of the best feelings I've ever had. So when you took that time off to reflect and to recover, what sort of changes came out of that for you? Some really good ones. I have been terrible with self-care my entire life. Um, it boils down to a couple of different things. I think my father and this isn't hanging him up on this at all but I, I got my work ethic from my father and it's it's this constant strive towards like I can do things better everything can be better not in terms of material but like constantly yeah. building on something and often I'd lose a uh, sight of mm. myself like caring for myself making sure that I got the right r and I was taking the right breaks um you know, I was getting like, what is it, two fruit, five veg, getting eight hours of sleep, you know, yeah. the, the basic stuff, right? Because everything was just so exciting. And I think as part of like coming out of that two-week period, I actually got to, and this is going to sound really fluffy, but I got to recenter yeah. on myself. I did yoga once a day in that second week because I was like, you know what? People love yoga. <laughs> I'm going to try this. How does this work? Um, and it worked, it worked really well. I, I, I kept it up for a bit. Um, the, the place closed down that I went to, which is probably a really bad <laughs> excuse, but it helped me through at yeah. least that time and and kind of like not just focusing on what I was doing, but focusing yes. on myself. And it's something I can see others get so wrapped up in as well. I think there are some people that do it really well. My partner, for example, is an absolute legend when it comes to that balance people like calling it that work-life balance I just see it yes. as a life so it's like that balance in life instead of yeah, work-life anyway um he does it incredibly well um and so he was actually a really good person to model that from and actually you know make sure you stop for lunch make sure you you do this you do that you know get regular exercise yeah. things like that um and it's something I share with others. It might sound like a bit of an overshare, but again, if you, if you don't talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. And because, again, 
<clears throat> because mental health ends up being something that we do stigmatize. It is hard to talk about, you know, the ways that we can make that a focus for ourselves because, you know, everyone's all about being productive, mm. doing something useful, being functional. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's always hustle all the time. But, you know, that's the fastest yep. route to burnout, right? So being able to talk realistically yeah. about what self-care actually means and not as a Band-Aid but as an ongoing thing to, you know, keep yourself centred all the way through. That That's something that I think a lot of people still struggle with trying to get in their life. And, like, it's different for everyone. Um I mentioned before yoga and I laugh because like I feel like that's the stereotypical yeah. thing is people are like I want to find myself I'm either going to go on a retreat or go to yoga and I'm not trying to poke fun at those things but like for some people they work for some people they they try it and they're just like no this is dumb <laughs> like for me this yeah. just doesn't work um actually another thing that I picked up during that 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 two-week break is um actually writing a mm. reflection journal which I know friends listening to this are going to give me so much shit for but it works because that gratitude piece and actually that forced reflection of I have to think about today what are the good things what were the things that weren't so good and how yep. did they make me feel um doing all of that I found has been incredibly useful yeah and and I feel like I it's, un it's been well. underrated it is underrated and you know i i am an inconsistent journaler so you know i'll either end up writing like three pages in one go or just a sentence it's yeah there's no in between but there's a couple of apps that i started downloading to do that kind of daily reflection thing and i didn't find a gratitude journal personally as valuable more than more just reflection so what happened today how did i mm -hmm. You know, how did I go today? How do I feel about today? Um, what am I doing tomorrow that's going to, you know, just little things like that just to kind of bring everything back in a bit closer to, you know, what, where I am at. And I think that has helped a lot because I get to go, okay, refocus. This is good. And, you know, did, this didn't go so well. How can we not make that happen again? <laughs> yeah. And I... The, this might be like delving too far into it or be too specific, but I, I, I found good tools in just, it's not sponsored, but there's Reflectly. an app called Reflectly. I don't know how many people are aware of it, but um, it's a really cute user interface, um, but it has really yeah. good prompting questions. And sometimes I'll need that prompt. I'm, I'm the same. I'll either write a lot or I'll write a sentence just to be like, yep, check it out. Yep, I did my <laughs> reflection. Yep, I'm just not in the mood. Um, so I'm not, I'm not the best at this reflection yeah. game, let's call it. But having something that kind of prompts like, like how, like what's something great that happened today that made you feel great? Um, or, or other little prompts like that I've found actually kind of gets the yeah. the wheels turning and it's like, oh, okay, cool, now I'm getting into it. Instead of a blank page that's just like, right, do I write about what I had for lunch? Do I admit to having ramen again? Like, <laughs> like there's more than that. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, so the ones that I use, uh, Five Minute Journal, found that one ages ago, and it's 
it just asks you what are three things that you know you're grateful for today and I know I said gratitude is not a big thing but you know it said go into details about stuff so it's like I'm grateful honestly for daycare today I really appreciated that there was daycare (laughs) today that was amazing I really love it you know it's little things like that and You know, you, you can be very honest about some of those things. And it doesn't have to be, oh, you know, I like, I, I'm grateful that there's world peace. I'm grateful that we're safe. You know, you, you are actually drilling down. It's like, nope, I really yeah. appreciated that cup of coffee. That was a great cup of coffee this morning. And yep. you think about it. <laughs> the first one that came to my mind was like, I'm really grateful for air con, especially from the past week. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. It's like air conditioning. That's I, I love air conditioning. Best friend yep. ever. <laughs> yep. First world problem when it breaks down, but I love air conditioning. Yeah. And it, it feels contrived, but you are thinking about, you know, what's around you as opposed to the problems that you've got. And mm. it, yeah, it does make me get a bit more perspective because sometimes, you know, you do get overwhelmed. It's like, oh, I've got so mm. much to do. You know, it's just one thing after another. It's like, but aircon, that's a good thing in my life. I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just realize how that's going to make me sound. I'll own it, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's fine. Like, you know, this is the little things, whatever keeps you going, really. So, yeah, yeah it, it's, yeah, you can make it as contrived or as deep as meaningful as you want, but you get to reflect on it. And I think that's the important part of it, that activity. Yeah. And yeah, I find it really useful. So, yeah, good. get into yourself to slow down. And I'm is. talking about it a bit now, but it's that hustle that you mentioned mm. before. It's, it's, it doesn't have to be every day. It doesn't have to yep. be, um, you know, every second. You know, yeah. like packing your calendar, and I'm definitely guilty of that. So, yes. you know, if 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 the journal gets me to write about aircon and how much I love it, like that's getting me to slow down in the moment. Yeah, and it might exactly. seem really trivial, but yeah, it's it's needed. Yes, absolutely, and yeah, because I live with checklists. Every morning I have oh, my to-do yes. list and I go through and it's like, right, got to do this, this, and this today. What can be bumped? What needs to be shuffled up? And I'm just living by checklists and it's ridiculous and it's constant hustle, but it's not all work. It's like, this is house stuff. This is kids stuff. This is family stuff. This is work stuff. It's just a different so, work. <laughs> yeah, it, it's different work. But when you get so tunneled into having to do that activity, it's exhausting Like before you mm. even start the day. So, yeah, being able to do all that other stuff does bring you out a little bit, and it's nice. Mm. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So is this the kind, like, because of your experiences with all of this and having to reflect on your balance in life, is that what motivated you to be so involved with mentorship? I think so, because there is a large piece that, you know, the, the reflection and the mentoring side for for the mentor, I think, is very strongly connected. Yeah. Um, and as much as, like, a, a mentoring relationship is about, um, you know, focusing on the mentee and, you know, what their immediate needs are and, you know, how you can help them in that way, you get a lot back from it because you can't, yeah. you, you, at least from what I find, I talk through experiences and, either when I'm talking through it or the mentee will ask a certain question, I'll be like, oh, oh, okay. I hadn't actually thought about that before. (laughs) And I'll have have my own moment where I'm like, mental note, I'm just going to, I'm just going to reflect on that one after this conversation. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> like, just make a quick note. Cool. I need to digest that afterwards because I never thought of that before. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think that was a driver. Again, the fact that I I didn't feel like I had mentors growing up. I mean, I had I had my dad, um, who was a massive influence over my life, as all our parents are. I think more so in my particular situation because um, my mum wasn't really in the picture and she kind mm-hmm. of wasn't in the picture at all when I was about 16. Yeah. Um, so we, my sister and I kind of joke around that our dad was our mother and father, so we call him father. father. He gets two days a year, Mother's and Father's Day, but um, <laughs> he had such an impact there mm. that um, – yeah, that kind of drove me to going, you know what? I haven't had every experience in life. Um, and, hey, maybe 50% of the stuff that I've experienced isn't of use to anyone. Or maybe higher, maybe like 99%, 95%, whatever. But if like 1% of that experience can help someone at that time and mm. they can go through those learnings and kind of cherry pick things that will make them successful in their life, then it's 100% worth it. Like, yes. even if it's, like, hours and hours of chats and they take one thing away from it, sure, it's a lot of time invested, but you've had an impact on that person. Yeah. And, like, you've, you've, you've helped them. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, even if it's hours and hours of chat and, you know, they only take the one true thing away, they still have had to process all the other stuff that you've spoken about to think about how that fits for them and how that works out in their mind mm. of you know, what they're thinking about. So it's still all processing and they're still taking it away. So yeah, yeah all of it's valuable. I make it sound very one-sided. So sorry, focusing on like <laughs> myself as the mentor and helping mentees. But I guess like I found the same thing in many yeah. mentors that I've had after I joined industry, mm. um, you know, whether it's through formal mentoring programs or through just connecting with someone on LinkedIn. I know yeah. that this can be very off-putting, but just like sending a blind invite being like, hey, I noticed this about your background. Do you mind if we get a coffee or, or a virtual coffee and just like have a chat about this? Yeah. And I remember there was, um, I'd been flirting with this idea of getting an MBA. I think a lot of people that do mechanical engineering, either um, this is a very broad generalization, but you <laughs> stay technical and you go really deep into the technical side or you go into management. Yeah. I think there's a fun saying, all the bad engineers go into management. And I'm like, yep, that's me. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, I was flirting with this idea of an MBA. Um, I, I still kind of flirt with the idea now, but I know at, at the time I was maybe like three, four years out of mm. uni. So like not a whole lot of experience. Um, and I found a really interesting lady that had done an MBA over 10 years and it was just wow. a blind connection through LinkedIn. And we ended up catching up only a couple of times. But, like, even just learning about her decision process and mm. how she went about it. And, you know, she was very similar to me. She was like, ugh, like five years or, or six years part time at uni while you're working full time. Can't imagine anything like worse. Um, and she actually taught me it's like she identified aspects of the course that she did over a period of time and did them in short courses and things to, to satisfy the immediate needs but in manageable chunks. And eventually yeah. she just worked her way up to that. Mm. And I think that's what influenced me to, weirdly enough, 
not enroll in an MBA, <laughs> um, but actually to do a number of short courses on the side and actually yeah. go, you know what? I don't have to do another degree. I don't yeah. have to go back to university. Like that's not the pathway because for some reason it was still in my head. You yeah. want further education, you go back to uni. Yeah, you do your master's, um, you do your whatever's, you, yeah. Exactly. Mm. Um, and instead doing short courses through, like I did sustainable business strategy through Harvard Business Online. Yeah. Um, uh, earlier last year now, mm. I've always got my dates wrong, but <laughs> early 2021, yep. um, I did uh, a systems engineering very short course. That lasted for three months. Very intensive. I spent mm-hmm. most of my weekends doing it, um, but it scratched that itch, and it and it kind of it, it kept my mind. It kept me going. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, as you said, it's it's a thing where it's a very conventional way of thinking that once you enter the industry, it's natural for you to go into an MBA, or you know, if you are that way inclined, you head into a PhD or some other sort mm. of masters. But these days, there's so many more opportunities to get this additional learning without having to go through that formalized route. And you know, honestly, a lot of people are viewing that kind of formal education in a very different light now. And, mm. you know, I, I'm pro tertiary education and university courses. That's just the way I am. I, I got so much value out of it. But that's because it's my learning. Like, that's the way that I learn. And that's how mm. I found it valuable. But I think it's amazing that we have so many ways of being able to extend and expand what we know through short courses. Not exactly Udemy, I find stuff like that still a little bit too low, low level. But yeah, you know, having all these other certificates available where you can pick and choose, and especially because there's so many ways that you can, you know, take your career. So as you said, you know, there's mechanic, but manufacturing's a bit different. So if you wanted to explore a slightly mm. different area, you do a short course or you do a certificate and you can start to explore that area and, you know, see where you want to go with that. And then from there, make a decision whether you want to do formal education or some other way that you want to head into that route. But it allows you to, I guess, hone where you want to have your career without having a structured course forced on you, which is great. Yeah. And I think a slightly different take to it as well. Mm outside of the, the not the, the whole structured course, because yeah. I don't think I've spoken to a single person who's gone to a university, like done a university degree, and they've loved every single elective. Like there's always that, there's yeah. always those units where you're like, why? Yeah, <laughs> they're always those um, units. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, but you still got to pay for them. Yes. And I think that's, uh, being an Italian background, at least this is what I pin it on, <laughs> um, there's a certain, you know, frugality w- with money. Yeah. And a lot of these courses, like, online, uh, they're really, they're, they're um, oh, I can't remember the word right now. Um, uh, Cost-effective is the first one that comes to mind. Yeah. Like, you don't need to get you- yourself into tens of thousand dollars in debt for a degree. Yes, exactly. Which is full of electives that you're like, cool, why did I do Photography 101? Because it was the only thing I had to do and I had to get credits. Yes. Um. But I can actually do like a dedicated course. Yeah. That I've got some like actual value and it's far cheaper. It is. And you can tailor it to what your current occupation is. So as as you were doing, like you needed mm. to fill a specific space and that allowed you to do it, which is and in a way that you don't have to kind of commit yourself to 
part-time night courses, you know, three times a week. So yeah, yeah, it's much more flexible. That's why I did photography one hundred and one. No, I like, and for anyone who has done photography one hundred and one or something similar, nothing wrong with it. It was just it's so different to the field, like my interest. Yes. But it was one that was on offer, and for some reason it's in my head. Yes. Anyway. Well, there are always those electives as well. It's like, but why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, this program, it's like, I understand you want to be able to, you know, create a div- diverse experience here. But it's like, but why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And th- There'll be that one person where it floats their boat. Exactly. Good on them. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's something that's come up as well with uh, university common first years. And the way that some universities mm. structure that. And some of them have, you know, you can choose anything from a thousand different courses, but then you end up with this mishmash of everything where, yes, you've had to explore stuff, but how do we tie it in? It's experience that you can apply later on, mm. but it's not exactly relevant to your current program. So, you know, having to weigh that up. And then there are others where they offer a very narrow select um, section selection of um, units. And it's like, well, now this is too focused, why don't you just make a core at this point? Like, it's it's a difficult balance. Mm, yeah. It really is. Yeah. So how do you juggle being involved in so many mentorship programs and work at the same time? Like, I'm just looking at your, you know, the programs that you are involved. It's like, wow, that that's a lot of mentoring to do. <laughs> it is. You know that self-care thing I mentioned before? <laughs> I'm joking. Um, this I, I, I too am a list person um, <laughs> and I became a calendar person a few years back. Yeah. Um, Just gat chart I your often life. get comments, <laughs> seriously, like <laughs> it's, I've had comments from people who have looked over my shoulder at work and they'll be like, what are all the colors? Like, what is all this? When do you have time? And I'm like. Well, I make time. Here's all the working time. <laughs> anyway, the like time is a finite resource. Yeah. That's definitely not a new concept. And I think that's the way that I've treated like five folk kind of taught me this particularly well. Because I was on a five two four three roster and I would only have, you know, forty eight hours or whatever it was in Perth yep. for that week. Which you got to cram all the life admin, your social life, your R and I. You got to you mm-hmm. got to cram all that stuff into there. Um, and you know, I didn't do particularly well at it first. You know, maybe a year or so. Yeah. Because you're still kind of trying to adjust with like, I can do everything. What are you talking it's about? Like I've got plenty of time. Um, Three days, amazing. I can do everything. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. And then you realize, no, you don't. Um. <laughs> um. So. I I religiously go by my calendar. I don't just book in. I think I think I've seen a few people do this, but I'm still surprised that not more people do it. Actually booking at you time yep. or working time, whether that's working on work stuff or whether that's working on personal stuff. Um and actually setting aside that time because as we all would know who like those who have uh office jobs where you, you rely on your calendar um if you don't book your own time out someone else is probably going to book it out for yes. you right <laughs> you always get that invite slip in and you're like i really needed to prep for this other meeting and now i feel bad for declining your meeting yeah um so i kind of have taken hold of that um 
it's been a really good exercise in time management and actually estimating time for tasks, Mm -hmm. but also making sure that, you know, Saturday mornings for me, booked out with my bike, my weekly bike ride. Yeah. That's a good way of doing it. And yeah, it's, it's like, not it, like it has to happen. And maybe this is just the way my brain is wired, but it's like the calendar says it is. And so it is that. (laughs) Like, it's just, I've kind of wired myself to that. Yeah. Sometimes I break free and I go, I want to ignore you, calendar. I'm going to go off and do something else. I'm not going to go for a bike ride. I'm going to go do this. Yeah. And you feel rebellious, but maybe that's my little, (laughs) that's just the fun quirk, let's say. Yes. But it it is true though, because if you don't book up, if you're not booking out your own time or you're not making a conscious effort about setting aside that time for yourself, it's very easy to go, oh, but you know, it's only me time. I can just keep doing this for a bit longer yes and that just exactly and like yeah yeah as it returns back into the self-care conversation it does um which i know isn't like aligned with you know talking about stem careers and all that but like really you can't it is aligned this this is going to be a a generalized statement but you, you can't have a career you can't have a lot of these things if you don't exist yeah like it's there's there's it's an absolute necessity. It is. And like you can't perform well if you're not, you know, at your best. So if if you're constantly distracted, if you're melting oh, down, yes. you're not going to be able to perform. You're not going to be able to have your career and do what you need to do. So, you know, it, it is an essential part of these careers. And you hear about a lot of women making it about 10 years into STEM careers and then just bugging out because either cultural issues or they're just not feeling that, you know, they, they haven't mm. got who they are sorted out either. And, you know, the average yeah. is apparently about 10 years when we burn out and decide to see change, which I find really quite, like, one on one hand, not surprised. On the other hand, it's really short. Like, this is not a long period at all. Yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah and, like, the, the finding yourself out piece, like, that was a real worry for me personally yeah. early on. I don't think I realized it, but there were a number of years there where it was just like chasing the next thing. It was just like, I need to do this. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, it wasn't external motivators that drove me. It was all in, it was all internal. Yeah. It was, you know, just how and why I kind of lost sight. And I think that's going back to that two weeks yeah. that I kind of like my, my, my two week breakdown, my breakdown and then like build back up. Yeah. Like that was another point in my life where it was just like, okay, existential crisis, who am I? Like, but more importantly, like, who do I want to be? Yeah. Because I really didn't, I, I didn't like certain aspects of myself at that point in time, but didn't beat myself up and kind of put myself in a bit of a deeper hole. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's definitely something, sorry, I've lit up here because it's definitely something I've worried about, yeah. getting caught up in the moment and especially with the movement that is women in STEM, it's very easy to get carried away and try and conform to the norm and, you know, fit in and be successful and, and be that one because we're all wanting, we're all wanting that change. Yes. Like I don't, I haven't met a single woman that hasn't wanted that change, but it's so easy to lose yourself in the process or just like forget who you are. Exactly. And, you know, whether implicit or explicit, you feel this need to perform better than others mm. and you're just pushing yourself constantly and you know in some cases that is what has to happen but in other cases a lot of people go too far the other way 
and yeah it's yeah again leads back to the balance thing because you end up constantly chasing without actually getting time to reflect and have that perspective about where it is you want to be who it is you want to be and yeah yeah what's important to you exactly it's yeah (sighs) i'm sitting here smiling because i'm just like i would not have thought i'd be having this conversation like several years ago like at all just like an open conversation um about topics like this because it's just you know it's a sign of weakness like even talking about you know what do you mean you've thought about who you want to be what do you mean you've like you've actually had a breakdown you like realigned what you were working on to make sure that you spent time on the things that were important to you yeah didn't you just know that <laughs> and it's like well no no I didn't like I don't think a lot of us do yeah. um that's my gut feel mm. and from when I've spoken to people I'm like yeah I don't think I'm too far off um yeah I'm just getting excited because it's this it's it's a whole different conversation that is getting more momentum mm. and yeah, that just excites me. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely exciting. And, you know, I've spoken to people, you know, who end up being in a half generation, generation kind of past, you know, where I was because I'm 40 now and I'm speaking to someone, speaking to people who, you know, have just recently started entering industry and, you know, even then, some of the ideas that they had about what they needed to do in you know, deciding the direction of their life is still the same that well, there's a lot of similarity with what I did when I was their age. It's like, you know, we've, we've seen, you know, 20 years pass and people are still thinking in the same sort of way. And it's very mm. traditional and conventional thinking, but there's so much change now in the way that we can approach stuff. And it's just, you know, ingrained in us that that's how we're supposed to think. That's how we're supposed to approach our choices. And it's, there's a little bit of incongruity with these open conversations about having to do that reflection, having to do that thinking about who we are and what we want to do and where we want to be. So yeah, it's, I find it very interesting that you know, we're still trying to conform to these old ideas, even though we know that all these other options exist. Mm. Yeah. I see like a correlation there with how we just tackle problems at work, Mm. right? And then this might be a bit of a stretch, but the way that we treat ourselves and we kind of like, like a better way to put it, like do a bit of problem solving to figure out what's wrong. Um, versus like how we apply that in the workplace for example like more and more creative solutions and more and more honest conversations are needed to actually reap the real benefit whether you're okay this is going to sound corny but it's like whether you're building a vehicle or like rebuilding yourself Uh, (laughs) um it's, it's true it's yeah it's the the old ways that's that's too much of a generalization <laughs> but you know a lot of the tested and true ways work but some of them don't yeah. and a lot of that convention is kept up and maybe i'm too speaking in too general terms here because i'm also one of these people around you know thoughts around marriage and all this kind of like all the all these traditions that kind of pass through 
going to uni and this is uni is the actually for bringing it back to the uni part uni is the only pathway like you have to do this to be successful like it's the only way it's like no it's not yeah. it's a yes. way it's not the only exactly. way exactly so yeah it's it's just getting yeah. people to think about things in other ways but again it's not one or the other like you don't have to choose the new way versus the old way like there's no need to have that complete make it completely mutually exclusive and you know it's balance but trying to figure out the path that works best for you and if uni works for you that's the route you take if you know learning on a job mm. or trade or apprenticeship type things work for you you do that because some people are a lot more practical in mm. learning they need to have that you know that practical application of what they're doing in order to make it work for them and not all environments are going to provide that so yeah mm. having options <laughs> <laughs> i love the summary options. <laughs> yeah it, it is it really is about having options and that just keeps coming up more and more now than it did before and it's great i love it because it allows people to think more creatively about how to solve their problems, whether it's work or life. So, you know, if yoga works mm. for you, that's cool. If you prefer to go rock climbing instead, awesome. If that's what chills you out, do it. You know, it's, you know, whatever mm. works for the way that you work. Unfortunately, yoga didn't work out for me, but I settled on that. <laughs> <laughs> My ride is pretty good. It's pretty meditative. Like it, it's, you know, you get your oh, physical activity and one thing. Just, you get to zone out. It's great. Yeah. It's cool. Couldn't agree more nice. with that. Unless it's 40 oh, yeah. degrees. No, that, that's, that's not optimal. Yeah. We don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Then we go back to the gratitude about yes. the air con and we're like, oh, this but is good. <laughs> that works as well. It's all about the situation, the context. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just being silly yeah, now. Still, it works. Okay. Ooh, yeah. Getting close to time. So final soft questions. What hobby or interest do you have that's most unrelated to your field of work? Um, I laugh because this hobby is not going well for me at the moment. I was initially going to go with cycling because I was like, I, I, I'm not dressed in Lycra, but like my weekend bike rides are very important yes. to me. Um, I got really into aquascaping. Aquascaping. What's aquascaping? It's, it's just really intense fish tank building. Uh, <laughs> Extreme so, fish tank building, see, awesome. Like, <laughs> oh, actually, I can imagine if there's not a radio show called that or like has that premise, I'm definitely going to start it. Um, Do it. <laughs> no, I had I had a severe fish tank addiction where at one time I had six tanks at home, wow. like two four foot tanks. I was looking at a double double tank setup using some pallet racking. Anyway, fancy. It's like, ah, <laughs> oh, it's fancy, but it's so unnecessary. <laughs> but it's good again it's it's kind of i find it i find the same benefit out of bike riding minus the physical aspect obviously but the having to actually craft an environment and being able to create a very self-contained and if you're lucky a very balanced <laughs> um is actually a really peaceful thing. Yeah. Um, I'm not actually in my study right now. My study is um is next door where I have two of the fish tanks. That's cool. There's a tiny setup on my desk with some cherry red shrimp and some blue-eyed um, orange tiger shrimp and oh. some fish and all that kind of fun stuff. It's just a little flowing water fountain. 
That's cool. Anyway, I know it doesn't float everyone's boat, but it's very meditative. It's very calming. Um, and you know what? I need that in my life. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's it, it sounds like very – it's like a water zen garden. I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's a much better way to put it. <laughs> that's very, very cool. So – because I, I imagine that Is the once next you set question up, why? Well, no, not about the why. It's like once you set up a <laughs> tank, I'd imagine it just stays that way. So do you do you change it up? Do you kind of? <laughs> yeah. You yeah, it's um, you do change it up because you kind of you're like oh maybe I can do this little this landscape I can I can try this I can try that. Um, I've personally seen a lot of change with my bigger tank because I like to. At one stage, I was breeding guppies, Ooh. which um. I don't know if I'm going to get hate for this, but guppies are like, the best way I can describe it is they're like potted colour. They don't last particularly long, but gosh, they're pretty. Yeah. Um, and there's some really interesting colour variations in there. That's cool. Um, no, the, the reason I asked, like, if, if you were just going to ask me, like, why? <laughs> um, like, making things, because I've had this deep interest in how things work. Yeah. I also like making things with my hands. Yes. So, and it'll be the most random things. Like I, in, in the last place I lived, I made a pond out of like bricks and concrete, yeah. like a little water feature. That's and cool. It, it's just little things like that. Mm. Home renovations, all that, all those kind of things I'm interested in. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's a, it, there's a bit of a joke where, um, my partner and I compare hands and I'd be like, oh, you've got you've got such soft hands and he'll be like, stop it. I'm always the one that's like got my hands dirty doing the physical things like the stereotypical male things. Um, and he's not that way inclined, which is totally fine. Yeah. But I still love to um, remind him. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Like my sister's a bit like that as well. Like middle of the night, she'll be doing some sort of home fix thing or she'll, you know, change the shower head and it's like she'll, she'll just, likes doing that sort of stuff and she's always got some tools in her car yep. at any point in time it's like just in case i need to fix something now it's just one of those things that she does <laughs> i would get along with your sister <laughs> <laughs> absolutely like it sounds like we are two peas in a pod <laughs> exactly see i i totally get it like um now even though like i do a lot of tech stuff like, i like making things with my hands i knit i you know make stuff it's i sew it's oh, it's cool. stuff that i just like to do because Firstly, instant gratification. Yeah. I like the fact that I make something and I can see it. This is great. You can't do that with software very well. So it's, you know, it, to True. me, it's making things and seeing the thing. And that's cool. I like it. So I totally understand that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And which childhood book holds the strongest memories for you? I'm going to be terrible. I didn't actually, I don't actually have a childhood book. <laughs> That's okay. That I have the strongest memories with. Yeah. The only one that comes to mind. It's a really, it's a stupid one. My parents got a Christmas book, specially printed, that had my name oh, cool. and birthday. Yep. It was like one of those customized yeah. books. Um, like it, goosebumps books. Nothing. Nothing that kind of I can tie into like who I am today. Just silly stuff yeah. like that. That's okay. That that That's perfectly fine. I mean, those sorts of things are the things that, you know, it was in our formative years that kind of connected us with stuff. And I know someone's, I know I was yeah. speaking to someone who, you know, tried to say something a bit more, you know, meaningful 
It's like, but I wanted to say Babysitter's Club. It's like, that's fine. You can say Babysitter's Club. <laughs> this is that. okay. <laughs> like, to, to, to be honest, like, this is, this kind of goes back to one of my, like, comments up top was, like, I'm, don't get me wrong, I can, I can read things. I can research. I, I'll enjoy scrolling through, like, articles of things that I'm deeply interested in at that point in time. But, like, even as a kid, the books were interesting. I think I had like an average interest in books, mm-hmm. but really it was connects. Yes. Like it was, are you familiar with yeah. connects? So it's like the building, yeah. the construction so stuff. I, yeah. Exactly. So I, I grew up in the PlayStation connects house, whereas all my friends grew up in Nintendo Lego houses. Yep. Like, like I just feel like there was a bit of a divide. <laughs> anyway, I was far more interested in connects and making little cars and like joining it up and I used to have guinea pigs growing up um and I'd always make little vehicles for them that would like tow them around that's awesome so like even from a young age I was very practical and less into books I was like no just give me something to like build and work with that's very cool I did like that yeah we were definitely a lego house because I inherited my lego from my older siblings but you know my my sister's partner was like when is your child old enough for Lego Technic? We'd like to know this. <laughs> <laughs> Just curious. Just curious. The Technic stuff is pretty good. It is. Like I actually bought a kit. Now I'm going off on a tangent, but I bought a kit last year of an A60H Volvo nice. haul truck. And that's one of these awesome Technic kits. And I'm like, I'm like 30. And, and here's me sitting on the living room floor like building it and my partner's just like what are you doing and he's like you know hairs up just like bowls everywhere and just like madly working <laughs> through this it hasn't died it's just changed from connects to lego yeah that's fine i converted that is fine <laughs> it's okay i'm pretty sure people forgive you <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're like finally coming over to the good side exactly i mean it's not socially acceptable for grown-ups to like lego it's fine <laughs> Yeah, half the kits out there these days, you can buy Lego flowers. I know. And I'm like, oh, I think that's too far. But yeah. I mean, some of the kits are insane. Like, they're $500, $1,000. Like, holy crap, that's a fairly expensive Lego kit. Yes. But yeah, so it's, detailed. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. I'm like, that, that Volvo kit was probably the most I'd want to spend, and that was like 260 bucks. Yeah. And I was like, but it has a working engine. <laughs> and it has a scaled working engine. Like, this is the thing. Yes. Oh. Anyway, it was a moment of weakness. That's fine. I think that's really cool. And oh, I saw this article <laughs> ages ago. Someone built, I'm pretty sure it's a Bugatti Veyron, out of Lego. Oh, it's yeah. Like, that's nuts. Does it work? <laughs> I've seen those kits. I've seen those kits. For someone that like isn't that interested, like I'm interested in Lego, but not this much. But anyway, the Bugatti kits and a number of other Technic kits, you can get some pretty good light kits for. Awesome. <laughs> And you could, yeah, like previous workplace, a bunch of the, a bunch of um, folks that I used to work with were really into them. And this was at the start of the pandemic, and we'd have a look at like you know you'd see backgrounds yep. and people would go like, oh, I didn't know you were into that. That was actually one of the really good things of COVID I know. is looking at people's backgrounds and going, oh, I didn't know you were into that. I didn't know this. Um, I, actually, I I loved that connection as far apart as people were. I think it actually made made us seem more human when you actually saw us in our natural environment. I agree. Instead of at work. I did like that. I, I I love all the comments people were making about what's in your background. 
Yeah, what's on your bookshelf? Yeah. And that that's fascinating. I love that. I love the Zoom videos where you just start looking at the background, losing, dis- getting distracted about the conversation, just trying to see what kind of people, oh. you know, you're talking to. <laughs> like I, I fell into, I don't know if you want to include this part or not. <laughs> can. I, uh, I, actually three years ago today, I went to North Korea for, for a trip yeah. for reasons as a tourist i make that sound really, really <laughs> for <awesome>. reasons anyway <laughs> i bought four reasons i was like please no one all of a sudden i hear a knock at the door um anyway and i had a poster i bought it i bought things in while i was in north as korea it was in pyongyang as you do and i bought a poster and it was sitting at the back of my study right behind me on camera and i remember after the first zoom meeting i was like Ooh, that's probably not a good one in the background. <laughs> Let's take that guy down. Because people are like, it's got the hammer, the sickle, the paintbrush, and I'm like, yeah, let's uh, let's. Get <laughs> you didn't get any comments? No, it was six inside. I had a couple of people that were like, mm, so what's that poster in the background? And then I like, I had to overtell the story to be like, no, 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 like, it's you know something I bought overseas, and they're like, sure, sure, whatever. Mate. <laughs> They suddenly made these judgments about your political alignment. <laughs> yeah, like it was, yeah, I, I, I definitely moved it after that. I was like, this can go out of here. <laughs> I can enjoy this elsewhere. Oh, gosh, yes, the judgments. <laughs> That's all right. Just move like Pokemon into your background. They can judge you on something else. <laughs> there actually is. Excellent. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> on my, um, oh, there's. There's definitely Pikachu because I was definitely that kid. <laughs> I think it's Pikachu, Charmander, and a chess pin because I really love chess pin really? with that generation. Ah, yes. Yeah. That's cool. I don't like grass types, but chess pin was, like, adorable. <laughs> yeah, I was that guy. You were that guy. That's all right. <laughs> awesome. Anyway. And lastly, what advice would you give someone who'd like to do what you do and what advice should they ignore? Oh, it's such a good one to end on. This is going to sound corny, but just give it a try. <laughs> and that's it's not it's not unique advice yeah. either. But honestly, it's one thing that's worked well, at least for myself, with everything that I have done, is it always resulted from, why don't I give it a yeah. try? Like my first leadership role um, on site, I remember there was a bit of a shuffle and, uh, you know, there, there was a role that was vacant. They were going to go out to hire for that role. And I remember sitting there kind of thinking, what about if I gave it a shot? I'd already been thinking yeah. about a leadership role, like lightly. And I remember walking into the engineering manager's office and not demanding, <laughs> but like saying, it's like, hey, while you're filling that role, do you mind if I, like, I really like the opportunity. And I, we talked about it and I ended up getting it. And then I ended up getting the permanent role. Nice. So it's like, that's one example of, like typically when I would get feedback of like, oh no, hone hone your skills here, like do this, this is the normal pathway, things like that. Um, I've kind of gone, no, stop it. I actually, I actually really want to give that a go. Or like the North Korea yeah. thing. Uh, <laughs> that's a funny one that came about because it was just, um, I heard that you could go through tours as a tourist relatively safely mm-hmm. as an Australian citizen. Um, I got told from a few people that I surrounded myself with, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. And then it kind of got to the point of, no, nah, stop it, I'm going. And it was honestly one of the best experiences um, 
I've had it's super fascinating. Yeah. That's a whole different conversation. But yeah, it's been a bit of a common theme of just like, there you go. do what you want, give it a try kind of yeah. thing. Flip side, um, what advice to not listen mm-hmm. to? I kind of said it before. It's if someone discourages you from something, just, but, and not based on mm. fact, because I think it's important to be self-aware enough to know your own capabilities, your own capacity to make sure you fit in the self-care element. And maybe you'll talk to people who, you know, provide you advice around, hey, this this might not be the best thing. That might be really valid advice. Yeah. But I found several folks in my life where it's just been a flat out, no, you shouldn't do that, but not ground in fact, mm. which if anything has actually motivated me more to go, okay, you're going to tell me not to do this. I'm going to go do yeah. it. A great one was um, coming out of uh, high mm-hmm. school. I remember uh, one of my teachers, I won't identify who, I had a conversation with them in uh, year 12 and I was like, I'm thinking about doing mechanical engineering. And they said, oh, there are plenty of other things that you can do, Gabby. Um, Maybe consider something else, which I find really funny looking back on now. It is. Yeah, that's such a kind of backhanded (laughs) bit of advice (laughs) yeah there's been so much of it I've received um and I think I I have a those that know me know that I'm pretty stubborn um and again that's just a driver for like oh I shouldn't do this um well why not okay I'm gonna give it a go like who like who's holding me back here excellent it's a good way of looking at it yeah I like to think so did they tell you why not to do it (laughs) no they didn't like I wasn't I wasn't the best student in Mm. that class and it was like a core competency for going into engineering um so I made the assumption afterwards it's like maybe that's why they suggested Mm. it but they didn't actually outline at the time like hey like you know maybe you need to focus on you know getting a little bit better grades for this and that'll give you surefire way so it wasn't like a constructive, yep. like, no, but, you know, maybe not now, but if you focus on these areas, yeah. you could. Because that's, I think, a lot better way it to is. phrase it. They were just like, oh, there's, 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 there's other things that you can, that you can yeah, work so, through. So not mechanic, but and cis then they didn't works, right? <laughs> <laughs> you just sidestep slightly. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> But that's I, even if they said that, like they didn't suggest yep. anything. I think that was the most unhelpful, <laughs> annoying part of it. Yeah, it's like, well, if you're going to tell me not to do this, what like, do you think I have an aptitude for? Then as an alternative. <laughs> yeah, maybe there was another reason there. It was like, well, maybe not union. <laughs> um, anyway, I make I make assumptions. That was so long ago, but yeah, I remember it not being yep. too helpful. Yeah, I think. Yeah, we've all had a little bit of very unhelpful advice like that at some point. Like, yeah, I need a bit more info here. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the important bit with, like, whether it's advice mm-hmm. or feedback is, um, you know, people share advice and feedback from mm-hmm. their perspectives. And if I can tie this back to mentoring again, they sh- they're sharing it from their experiences based on what they can mm-hmm. see. There's a whole lot of, you know, your life and your experiences that that person yes. can't see, um, you know, it, it's, you know, 
that the saying of like take it with mm-hmm. a grain of salt um i think applies and, and kind of you know taking in what they're saying and applying it to your situation i think is the most important thing to do there and not taking it word exactly. for word um and kind of getting hung up on the exact specifics because they might not have yeah, all the context absolutely and it, it is important because a lot of time you take advice like no i don't like advice but why don't you like that advice? Like, what is it about that advice that doesn't apply to you? And what can you do about yeah. it to make it apply to you? Or what can you change? Or how can you look at something differently to make that work for you? Yeah, and sometimes people give you mm. feedback. Not to, not to labour on this point here, but I've definitely received feedback from people who have still been pretty charged from the situation. And it's pretty bad <laughs> feedback. Like, you look back at it and you're just like, what were you trying to tell me? I think you're angry at something or you're annoyed at something, but you kind of came across like a dick. <laughs> uh, so, like, again, it's, you know, the, the, not again because we haven't really talked about this much, but, like, there's an art to feedback, to receiving, yes. but also to giving it's feedback. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of like self-care. I don't think it's, like, spoken about enough in terms of, like, how to... Like there's a lot of focus on how to give feedback, but also how to receive yeah. feedback is very important to actually foster personal yeah, absolutely. growth. And, you know, keep up, you know, be a bit resilient when sometimes you get some feedback where you're like, what are you talking yeah. about? Like, what did you just tell me? Exactly. And yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things where I think some people end up feeling very polarized about the advice, but you, know, you you do have to think about you know the advice that's given to you when it's charged and when or overly emotional and, and it's not going to be conveyed in a good way or in a productive way but no matter what mm. you know you don't necessarily have to take it all on but you can still consider it and think about where that might have come from or ask about where that might have come from later on mm. and you know seeing how you can make that information useful if it or determine that it's absolutely not useful at all but some people just take it at face value and it's like sometimes there's a bit more to it than that and yeah it is situational yeah 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 i feel like this like leaks onto a different it feels podcast. like it should uh, it does it's like, like the... a whole session about <laughs> giving and receiving feedback like that's a whole thing <laughs> yeah yeah we'll go on spotify afterwards and be like he's yes. done this before no well, i'm joking probably. um I mean, it's a useful thing. <laughs> mm. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Gabby, for speaking with me today. This has been absolutely amazing talking about all of this very cool stuff and actually delving into a few of these topics, especially you know, in terms of self-care and the way that we can approach you know, our own views of ourselves and how you know, we are going to move forward in our careers and our lives. Like All of this is very important. So if people would like to know more about you know, the kind of work that you do, where can they go? Uh, probably only <laughs> to one place. Uh, I only have LinkedIn. Um, they, so I'm on LinkedIn, if you, but if people are interested in terms of what First Mode do, um, they can hit up firstmode.com. There's a lot of really interesting information on our website around some of the projects yeah. that we tackle. Um, and if I can put a plug in here, we're also looking for, because we have so many projects in our portfolio, we're always interested in really talented people to come and yeah. join us in that. 
So we have a number of different roles that are open on the website. Um, it's definitely worth checking out there. It is very cool. Yeah, I had a look at some of the blog posts and so detailed, so interesting because it just covers so many different areas. Well, yeah, the, and the profiles. I don't know if you've made your way to the profiles of some yep. of the folks that I work with. I cool. am so humbled by the people I work with. And that's only a snapshot of the people I work with. Like it's, yep. it's genuinely insane, um, the team that we have here in Perth and over in Seattle. And I've been fortunate enough to meet both the, the Perth, well, I'm in Perth, but the Seattle office as well, been able to visit that's there cool. and, and meet the people. Um, yeah, it feels like a little bit of a dream. Oh, that's amazing. Well, that's what you want. That's, yeah. it, it's amazing to be able to find a space where, you know, you love the people you work with and you love the work that you do. It's unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> well, not quite that's unicorn. It, yeah. That's a bit grim. But it, it is <laughs> a really great thing to aspire for because it happens. It exists. And, yeah, yes. it's achievable. <laughs> yes. I didn't know it, but, yeah, I, yeah. I'll leave it at that. I could go on. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, thank you again for speaking with me today. It has been absolutely wonderful. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much for having me. I um, I really enjoyed the conversation today and oh. hope that yourself and others, I don't know, that it was interesting. Thank you so much. Oh. Well, I found it fascinating. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thank you. It was great speaking with Gabriella about her mechanical engineering journey and the progression of her roles in the mining and resources sector and now creative engineering. I also appreciate Gabriella sharing her experiences in mentoring and mental health and talking about how we can look after ourselves for better life balance. To learn more about Gabriella and what we discuss on the show or to connect with us, please visit the SteamBard website at steampowerdshow.com. You can also find out more about Gabriella's work on LinkedIn, the link for which will be in the show notes. If you enjoyed this conversation, please let me know. Subscribe to this channel, leave a comment, and share this with your geeky or geek curious friends. You can also support Steampowered on Patreon and Kofi under Steampowered Show. The links for which will also be in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.